Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You've been right there in Matthew chapter 6. Go with me one chapter back to Matthew chapter 5. And this is where we want to begin today. I've been ministering on this subject of being a person of influence. Being a person of influence. And, um, you know, this is so important because of what God's asked us to do. God, God of course, is asking us, uh, he said, as it pertains to DeSoto, I want you to fill the house. Well, if we fill the house, we've got to influence people. Uh, he said, as it pertains to Little Rock, I want you to cover Arkansas. And so that's what we're doing. Uh, it, it, it means being people of influence because God's asking us to reach a people. He's asking us to reach a city and asking us to reach a generation. And so the way that we do that is through our influence. Now, when you think about influence, I mean, uh, you know, you can, you can look at it any way that you want. But ultimately, there are people that have had influence in your life, good or bad. Uh, amen. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't deal with you by jerking you around. He deals with you by influencing you. And so uh, the Lord said that we are people of influence. Influence. Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 is where we'll start. And he said, you are, now that's us, amen, say I am. am. Notice he says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its savor or his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? In other words, it can't be salty again. It is good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of men. You are the light of the world. A city that's set on a hill cannot be hidden Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel but on a candlestick and it gives light to the whole house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now notice real quickly we see Jesus says we are something. He says as believers you are salt and you are light. Salt and light at their base, the basics of salt and light is that they're influence. Now, you may be the kind of person that doesn't need to taste your food before you dump salt on it, all right? But here's the point. If you have bland food, salt influences the taste, right? When you walk into a dark room and you flip the light on, the light influences the atmosphere Primarily because the darkness leaves. And he says you are salt and you are light. You are influence. One translation, I believe it's the Message Bible, says you you are here to bring out the God flavors in the earth. Amen. Amen. You are here to bring out the God colors in the earth. Hallelujah. The the, uh, Weiss Bible says... uh, uh, 
that we're the salt of the earth. And he says, if its saltiness is lost, for not even one thing is it of use any longer. Amen. So what he's saying is, if you're not going to live out your purpose, there's no reason for you to be here. You are salt and you are light. Amen. And he goes on and says that when you put the lamp on the lampstand, it gives light to all those that are in the house. And he says, what happens when you let your light shine before men is that they will, they will glorify your Father, which is in heaven. They will see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. So Jesus says that we as believers, that we are salt and we are light. We are the preservative in the earth. The, the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians, and he was talking about the, the days of the tribulation, the days of the tribulation coming on the earth, and the man of sin being revealed, the Antichrist. And he says, and he mentions the church, the local church, the body of Christ in the earth, and he says, now you know what is withholding the man of sin, the son of perdition, so that he can't be revealed until the church is taken out of the earth. Why? The church is the preservative of the earth. I, I, I get so tired, and, and you'll please forgive me because I'm, I'm, I'm adamant about this. I am so tired of political pastors. I'm so tired of them being political pundits when that's not their job. The fact of the matter is, I hear so many pastors talking about how bad things are and how rough things are because their specific party is not where they think it needs to be. Listen, you haven't seen bad. If you want to see bad, wait till the church is gone and then you're going to see bad. The greatest days of your life are yet ahead of you. The greatest days of our nation are yet ahead of us because we are the salt and we're the light in the earth. As long as the church is here, there's a chance, there's hope, there's victory that's there. Amen. Do, do, you, do you see that? The church is the preservative. The church is preserving the earth. God's got a job that he's doing in the earth, and he's going to do it through the church. Amen. But notice we got to be influenced. You can't influence somebody when you're talking the same way they're talking. And you're thinking the same way they're thinking. I, I was talking to a person not too long ago at, at the minister's conference. And they came up to me. And I've known them for years. And I love this person. But they came up to me. Uh, and, and they said, well, you know, uh, what do you think about the political issues? And I said, well, I don't. Well, you know, things didn't go the way we wanted them to go. And I said, they didn't? What do you mean? I know you might think that things didn't go the way we wanted them. I'm referring to the midterm elections. But things didn't go the way we wanted them to go. What do you mean? We didn't win any victories? We got zero victories? I thought, I thought, I thought that godly conservative people were in charge of Congress again. I'm not talking about Republicans. I'm talking about people that are godly. I don't care if they're Democrats or Republican. I want them to be godly. You, you need to understand that you got a gaggle of Republicans that don't give a rip about what God said. Amen. They're just Republicans because they can get elected. And you got a bunch of, you got a gaggle of Democrats that believe what God said. You got pro-life Democrats, you understand? 
Here, here's my point. And they just looked at me. And they said, well, what do you think about the future? I said, it's bright. Future is bright. You know what they did? Oh, well, I'll talk to you later. I'm not going to come down and start agreeing with what's contrary to the Word of God. The Bible says that when you see gross darkness trying to cover the earth, that what is the church supposed to do? Rise and shine, for your light has come. Glory to God. That's why you're a light in your neighborhood. You're a light to your neighbor. Your neighbor may feel hopeless, but you got hope. And you're an influence. And when you're talking to them over the back fence, they're seeing something in you that's giving them hope and giving them a reason to get up in the morning. They might not, may not have had any hope or any joy till they come out in their backyard and saw you over there full of joy and full of peace and full of the glory of God. And you influence Influence them with the light that you are. Somebody ought to help me this morning. I'm influenced in this world. I'm influenced in this world. Oh, hallelujah. Do, do you see that? And he said, we are to place our light on a stand so everyone in the house can see. All through the four Gospels, Jesus used the image of a house to represent our lives. You don't have to go there, but in Matthew 7, 24 through 26, he said, I'll show you what I liken the man to that hears my word and does it. He said, he's like a man that built his house on a rock. Is that right? On a rock. And notice what happened to him. It says the rain descended. The floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it didn't fall because it was founded on a rock. Amen. So Jesus says you need to put your light in your life on a lampstand so everybody can see it. Oh, hallelujah. So everybody can see it. My coworkers can see it. My family can see it. Amen. My neighbors can see it. My community can see it. Why? Because this light is your answer. This light is the victory that you're looking for. I am a light bearer. You are a light bearer. Everywhere we go, the darkness flees because the light has come. Hallelujah. Amen. But Pastor, you know I'm not that vociferous about my beliefs and I'm not that vocal about my beliefs. Let your light shine. You understand? Amen. Yes, you tell people, but you let your light shine. You let your light shine by what you believe. You let your light shine by the way you act. You let your light shine by what you do and by what you don't do. You let your light shine by where you'll go and where you won't go. You let your light shine by what you believe and by what you don't believe. Don't Listen, don't be afraid to say what you don't believe and don't be afraid to say what you do believe. Last I saw, this is still America. And last I saw, I still have a right to what I believe is right whether they do or not. Let your light shine. Let your light shine. Oh, hallelujah. See, that, 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 that's how we influence. That's how we influence. People, people in the world need an influence. I say they need an influence. And they need the influence of the light. Listen, 
You can't get mad at the world for acting like the world. I hear so many people preaching and teaching like they're angry at the world. Why are you angry at the world? They're blind. Would you get mad at a blind man that was stumbling around and didn't know where he was going? No, your compassion would take over. You'd go try to help him. Let me help you get where you need to be. Is, is that right or not? But people get mad. And, and when you get angry with somebody, your influence over them is done. Well, politicians today, I'm telling you what, I'm t- they're blind. That may sound simple, but they're blind. And, and if the church doesn't see that, do you remember what Paul said? Remember, he was saying, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, mass protest, Right? Preaching political sermons. Bringing division. No, no, he didn't say that, did he? He said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks, be made for all men and for kings and all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. What's the next verse? For God desires that all men be saved. What would the all men include? The king, the one that's in authority. What's the goal of God for our president? What's the goal of God for our vice president? What's the desire of God for our Senate and our congressmen and congresswomen? That they be saved. How can you you pray out of one side of your mouth for them to be saved and out of the other side of your mouth, condemn them, run them down, and call them everything but good people. Quiet in this Presbyterian church. See, there's a fine line between saying what's right and criticism. I, I heard one minister say, he said, if you call Joe Biden your president, you're a sinner. Okay. And you'll hear Christians, not my president, then who's your president? There's not another one. Yeah, but the real president, they took it away from maybe so, but he's not president. My my wife is in Little Rock. Am I not married? I thank you, Earl. I'm married. She's not here, but I'm married. You understand? Whether whether you agree with who's doing what or not, that's the president of these United States. If something needs to be shown and prove that something was wrong or amiss, fine. What's your job? Be light. How are you going to influence people that are of that political persuasion if you're angry and doing the same thing they're doing, and instead of being influenced, I'm just, I'm just saying the same thing they say, I'm just saying it with a conservative tone. Right. Mm. Thank you. Some of y'all believe me. 
It's what the scripture says. Isn't it interesting that Jesus never badmouthed the Roman government? Isn't that interesting? Isn't it interesting that Paul never badmouthed the Roman government? Do you remember what happened to Paul? You remember Paul was standing before the high priest and he made a statement the high priest didn't like, remember? And what did the high priest do? Slapped him. And Paul looked at him and said, you whited sepulcher, God will strike you. And the man said, you dare talk to the high priest that way? And Paul said, I'm sorry. I didn't know he was the high priest. I repent. That man had hired 40 people to kill Paul. He wanted to murder him. And Paul looked at the man that hired people to murder him and said, I apologize. I didn't know you were the high priest. And then he quoted the scripture because the scripture says, you shall shall not be revile the Lord's high priest. Remember what Peter said? He said there were people that were not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. You say, Pastor, we're talking about salt and light. I know. I've got to have enough of the fear of God in me to not badmouth and be critical of people that are blind. Doesn't mean I agree. I can disagree with policy and not be critical of the person. Mm. That's placing my light on a stand. When I let my light shine, it influences our lives, but it influences the light of people around us. And in order to be people of influence, people have to notice a change. They have to notice a difference in our lives. They have to notice the difference in the way we live our life. Amen. So how do we influence people? One way we influence people is we influence people when we make it through things that should have stopped us. Look at Psalm 119. When we make it through things that should have stopped us. Psalm 119, verse 92. Notice what the psalmist says. Unless your law had been my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. One translation says, if your law had not been my delight, my troubles would have put an end to me. Oh, hallelujah. So when we make it out of an impossible situation, people will ask us how we made it. What's your job? Tell them. This is how I made it. This is what God did for me. When they look at you and say, I know that things were coming down around you and you didn't have any way out, you open your mouth and you tell them, this is how I made it. God made a way for me where there was no way. God brought me out. God did it. God gets all the glory. I I wouldn't have made it, but God brought me out. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you tell them in no uncertain terms, if it had not been for God on my side, I wouldn't have made it. I was depressed. I was down and out. I was was defeated. But God showed up and brought me out. His word was a lamp to my feet and a light under my path. Somewhere he turned my mourning into dancing. Somewhere he turned my defeat into God did that. 
Ah, now I'm in hell. Somebody help me. See, that's that your your where you're at is a testimony of where you came from. The fact that you can point to where you're at and say that's how it used to be, but that's how it is today. It's influence in people's lives. Influence. Influence. I say influence. Woo, glory. Amen. Hallelujah. 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 Because they'll look at you and say, I know where you were. I know what was going on in your life. How did you ever get out of that? The Lord. God made a way for me. Amen. Hallelujah. He said, if your law had not been my delight, my troubles would have put an end to me. Oh, hallelujah. That, that's, amen. That's why Haggai could say this. He said, when I fall, don't rejoice over me, enemy, because I'm going to rise again. He said, don't rejoice over me, because if I fall, I will arise The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, don't rejoice over a fallen righteous man because he may fall seven times, but he's going to get up every time. Why? Because God is his source. God is his way maker. God is his victory. God is the total source of my my winning. God is my victory. The Lord is on your side. You won't worry about what men say about you or to you. God is on my side. Mm, hallelujah. That's how you influence people. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm going through this. Well, let me tell you. Let me tell you, I was going through something like that. And let me tell you what the Lord did. Let me tell you how God brought me out. Let me tell you how God fixed my marriage. Let me tell you how God blessed me. Let me tell you how God saved my children. Don't give up. Don't give up because it's not the end. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Another way we influence people is we influence people when we're wiser than they are. Psalm, Psalm 119 verse 98. He said, through your commandments, you have made me wiser than my enemies, for they're ever with me. One translation says, I have an edge over my enemies because of your commandments. Oh, hallelujah. Years ago, years ago, over, well, close to 30 years ago, when I was working in in the corporate world, I got a hold of this verse. I'm wiser. Because, you know, that's a cutthroat business. Amen. When when people start figuring out they can climb a ladder and they'll they'll get to the top faster if they knock you off, it can be challenging. Amen. Amen. But he'll make you wiser than your enemies. You don't even know they're your enemies. See, you're sitting in here today and you don't even know who your enemies are other than the devil. You don't know that there's people that don't want you to succeed or they don't want you to be in victory, but there are. But you just stay in the word and you'll be wiser than the enemies that you don't even know you have. Amen. 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 Tell your neighbor, say, you'll be wiser wiser. through the word. word. Amen. Amen. Wiser means to be wise in mind, in word, or in act. Wiser in mind, and in word, and in act. 
So that, that, see, you depend on that influence. And people look at you and say, how in the world did you know how to do that? Hey, that was the Lord. Amen. I remember one time years ago uh, when I was, uh, of course, I was, I was working at Blue Cross. And uh, we, our offices were downtown in Crown Plaza. And uh, we, were, we were right across the skyway from, uh, well, from Crown Plaza, the, the shopping mall that's down there. And Blue Cross, of course, was across the, the, the uh, uh, road there. And we were, we were in a series of offices, and there was a young man that lived there, and he came from a very wealthy family. And uh, uh, I had to interact with him throughout the days, and so he and I kind of built a relationship. And one day we were standing in, in the office, and he looked at me and he said, uh, so uh, where'd you go to college? Where, when did you graduate? And I said, well, I, I didn't, I, I, I never graduated from college. And he looked at me, and this was, these were his words. He said, you're kidding me. He said, nobody knows what you know that didn't go to college. I said, let me tell you something. And I shared the, the word with him, shared the Lord with him. He got so interested in my walk with God. See, I was riding the bus to work. And he lived out in the same area of town that I lived in. And he said, can I start giving you a ride home? I said, yeah, you can start giving me a ride home. That's, that's fine. I mean, I didn't mind riding the bus, but, you know, if I can ride in a nice new car, it might be even better, right? And, but I got to share the word with him. I got to share the things of God with him because, because I realized back, even back then I'm called to be an influence. And the fact that I knew things that he knew you couldn't know without a certain level of education was evidence to him. This guy's got something. Amen. Hallelujah. No one, well, let me say it this way. Through the word, we're wiser in three ways. Number one, we're wiser in mind. We think differently. We think differently than the world. I'm wiser than them. Uh, we influence people because of the God ideas we receive. I think differently than them. Now, that's all obviously in the areas of morality, but that's, that's in, in the area of the ideas that I receive. I think different than them. I don't, I don't depend on natural circumstances, natural ways of doing. Amen. When God tells you something can happen and you believe that it will happen and people see it happen in your lives, you're influencing them because you think differently. Amen. Amen. Secondly, the way we, we are wiser is we talk differently. Not just clean talk, wise talk. In other words, we receive the right words to say to the right people. Something I say over myself consistently is he wakens me morning by morning. He gives me the tongue of the learned so that I may have a word to speak in due season to him that is without. Amen. I have the tongue of the learned. I'll talk differently, all right? Now, that, that obviously means my sanctified speech, but I have a wisdom. Our words are so wise that people will show us favor. Amen. They just can't resist, right? Remember what, what the Bible says about Stephen when he was preaching in Acts chapter 7? It says they couldn't resist the words, that he said. When Jesus would be teaching, people would come and what would they do? They would leave saying, nobody ever spoke like him. 
right? Your, your words, your words being an influence, just something that you say, something that you, that right? Because I'm, I'm wiser than they are. Amen. The third way is inaction. We act differently. We, we influence people by acting wise. Acting like we know what we believe. People watch how we act. Amen. Amen. I, I watch how people act. And if somebody falls apart under pressure, I make a note of that. Right? Because they get under pressure, they fall apart. How, how do people act? Right? That's how we teach our children. That's why we teach our children how to react to things. Right? My wife's a big one to look, all the girls in our family, but of course Lily's with us all the time now, and she'll make the statement, still women don't react that way. Amen. We react according to the word of God. See, the, 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 those are those things you got to watch. When your child starts talking about, well, I'm afraid, stop that. Stop that right now. We are not afraid of nothing. Maybe anything would be better verbiage, but we're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid of heights. We're not, right? Now, now that people say, yep, you've got to keep your confession right. No, no, no. You're influencing them by how they should talk. Amen. By how they should talk. By the how they should act, because people watch how we act. Right. I remember years ago, uh, Brother Jerry told the story when he had just come to the Lord. Uh, I had only been saved a few months, and Brother Copeland came, maybe a year at the time, and Brother Copeland came back to the church there in Shreveport that they went to, and his daughters were in the nursery, and the long and short of it is, is uh, Terry was crawling on the floor, and the nursery attendant rocked over her fingers and cut those two fingers off right there at the, at the nail, at the base of the nail. And they brought her into the sanctuary, and she was crying, and, and blood was everywhere. And I'll never forget, Jerry, when he said this. He said, uh, I took my daughter in my hands, and she gave me my daughter. My daughter's bleeding. It gets all over my shirt. He said, Brother Copeland was teaching in the morning session. And he said, of course, everything had stopped at that time. And he said, when they handed me my daughter, watch this. He said, I turned around to see how he was going to react. Because I said, if he doesn't react in line with what he says he believes, this is fake. Right. How, listen, how many times have you heard of preachers that get up in the pulpit and just lambast people for walking in sin and lambast people for doing things, and then a few weeks later you find out they were doing the very same thing. Because it's not just your words that influence people, it's how you act. And, and, of course, Brother Copeland immediately came and took the baby in his hands and his arms and prayed for her, commanded the pain to go, commanded the blood to stop, and instantly the blood stopped and the child went to sleep. And he said, if he had not reacted that way, it would have changed my mind about what I was believing. Amen. I mean, think about that. If you have a loved one in the hospital and you call your pastor up there to pray, you expect your pastor to walk in there and pray like he preaches. Amen. Right? Because it doesn't just work here. It works out there. I need to act like it works out there. Amen. Is that right? 
I worked with a guy in, in, uh, at Blue Cross. His name was Ken. And Ken was a great guy. I loved Ken. He got along with Ken good. But Ken had a, a problem. He was, uh, he was becoming progressively paralyzed, all right, from, from his chest down. And he could, he could move around. He was kind of a proud guy. And he could move around with the aid of some crutches. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I began to talk to him, you know, about, about the Lord and about the things of God. And I, I took him, uh, Gloria Copeland's, uh, healing promises book and and he didn't know what to think about that he wasn't born again but I I said you know the Lord the Lord would touch you the Lord would touch your body amen and and you know it eventually got to the place where he'd let me pray for him amen. because he watched how I acted I lived what I acted I came into work one day and uh, and and uh, 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 I was a unit manager and I was coming in at a later time because it was my night to work nights and uh, so I came in, I was walking across the hallway, and the men's room was down there. Well, because of his condition, uh, he, he had to be cautious because, uh, because uh, uh, you know, he wasn't always aware of maybe when his bowels were going to move. And he had had a bad accident. That's the only way I know to say it. And he stuck his head out the door and he said, Phil, can you help me? And I said, yeah, I can help you. And I got about halfway to him, and I knew what had happened because it was just horrible. And uh, he, he was very how do I want to say, embarrassed. And he didn't want to have to go back on the floor to tell our manager that he needed to go home. So he asked me to take him home. I had our car, and he asked me to take him home. People say, what would you do? Load him up in the car and took him home. Because you can't tell somebody how much God loves them, and then they need your help, and you act like God don't love them. You say, what would you do? Held my breath and drove. What did you do after you got out of the car? Scrubbed my seat. People are watching how we act. They're watching how we react to things. Am I helping you? We influence people. Look at Hebrews 9. We are to influence people by precept and example. I pray almost every day, Lord, make our home a light in our neighborhood. Father, help us to be a light in our neighborhood, our neighbors, because I want people to know that there's help in Christ. And, and, and uh, it's not just something about witnessing. It's just I see these people every day. How can I not want to be an influence on them? Because I know what the Word says, and I know that that man and his wife are going to stand before God one day and give an account for their life. I know that this man and his family are going to stand before God and give an account for their life. And I personally don't believe that it's coincidence that God put my home right in the middle of them. Amen. To be an influence. Amen. Hebrews 9 and verse 19, talking about when Moses was dealing with the people. Verse 19, when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people. So notice, we are to influence people by precept and example through the word and the example. As your pastor, I influence you through the word preached, but I influence you through my life lived. My example. Amen. I, I influence you through my marriage. I influence you through the way I interact with my children. I influence you through my interactions with you. The example. 
That's why you have a lot of good preachers that are good preachers, but poor examples. And, and, and the pressure is in being the example. Anybody anointed can preach. Not everybody can be an example. Because being an example means that you have to take control of the things in your life. Amen. Amen. And notice, hallelujah, a precept is that commandment. So what we see is merely telling people won't influence them. It's got to be combined with our example. Hallelujah. I remember one time I, I was working with a girl, and uh, she was, I mean, her life was just a wreck. And uh, I, walked, I walked by, uh, she was having an affair with a married man. He was married. She was single. And, and I walked by her desk, and I saw a picture. She had a picture of this guy that at the time was in a Diet Coke commercial. And I forget the guy's name, but uh, he became like an overnight sensation for whatever because he looked good without a shirt on, I, I guess. But the point is she had a picture of him. And I was kind of halfway joking. And I looked at her and called her name. I said, hey, is, is that your boyfriend? You know, and I, and I knew it wasn't. I was just joking with her. And she goes, no, I wish. And I took one step. And the Lord spoke to me, and he said, no, that's not her boyfriend. Her boyfriend is a married man. And he said, you need to turn and tell her that I'm not pleased with that and that if she'll get that relationship correct, I can do some things in her life. Amen. People say, wasn't that hard? Not if you care. Amen. Not if you care. I got to be an example. So I turned her, called her name, and I said, no, that's not your husband. Your husband's actually a married man. Or your, your boyfriend's a married man. And I said, if you'll cut off that relationship, there'll some things that'll turn around in your life. She started weeping, cut off that relationship. I don't know that she ever got saved. I, I wasn't there. She got fired. But the, the, the point is, is people are looking for our example. Amen. Amen. And hallelujah. We're salt and we're light. We're examples of Christ to our neighbors, right? We're examples of Christ to our family, to my children, to my grandchildren, to my spouse. Amen. One, one of the things that I heard years ago by a guy named Edwin Lewis Cole, he wrote a book called Maximize Manhood. Uh, he was very, very, and he's in heaven today. But he made a statement one time that just imprinted my spirit. He said, the greatest thing any Christian husband can do for, their for his children is love their mother. Amen. Man, that impacted me. It imprinted my spirit. Because that's that example. You know, you can pray for your children to have good spouses, but you got to treat your spouse right in front of them. You got to live it out in the example. Amen. Do, do you see that? I'll have parents who'll say, my kids won't ask me anything about their marriage. Well, you never gave them a good example. You give them a good example, they'll ask you. Amen. What kind of advice can you get from somebody that sits in the recliner and flips the TV and lets his wife do everything else? Amen. Hey, you understand? Well, pastor, this isn't on marriage. It's about being an example. Right? The, the place that I'm the light first is in my home. Right. Amen. So I bind counterfeits out of the pathway of my children 
My boys don't need counterfeits bound. They're already married. Their girls do. I'm buying counterfeits out of their pathway, and then I love their mother like Christ loves the church. That's the example. And so mom can say, don't just look for this kind of man. Look at how dad treats me and look for a guy that treats you that way. Some years ago, a number of years ago, we had a really cold snap here in Kansas. I know it's a little cold right now, but I mean, this was like we had two weeks of like eight below, ten below zero. Cold weather. And my daughter was was living there in Lenecta as well, and she was living uh, over off of uh, Ridgeview. And uh, she was seeing this young man, and she had to go to work. Well, she got up, and the cold had killed her battery on her car. And uh, so she called this young man. He said, you'll be all right. It's too cold to get out. Just call and tell him you're not coming in today. Well, Jessica is a hard worker. She hung up, phone called me. Dad, my battery's dead. I said, I'll be right there. Mom wanted to go with me. And and so we loaded up and, and we got there and, you know, I couldn't jump. I wasn't going to try to jump the battery because I I could tell it's not holding the charge. So I took the battery out, ran down to the parts store, bought her a new battery, came back and told her, I said, I bought you a new battery. You're good to go. Car's running. If you have any problems, let me know. You know, the first thing she did was called that young man, said, listen, if you want anything more to do with me, you got a high standard to reach. You know, he decided it was too high. Not bragging on me. That's the example. If you need dad, that's my single daughter. If, you, if, if she's married, husband, you need to take care of that. Amen. But she's single. That's my job. I'm the example. Amen. So when she looks for a husband, she's going to look for somebody that puts her first and not their comfort, Amen. not their warmth. Yes, Does that make sense? Amen. You're influencing the generation. Oh, hallelujah. That's so important. That's so important. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. Notice what it says. He's writing to the pastor. And and let me say this very quickly. Being an example is not always comfortable because you don't always feel like being an example. You don't always feel like having sweet words. Right? Responding with sweet words. But we have a rule in our house, no cross words. Nobody has cross words. Nobody lifts their voice. Isn't that hard? No, because I want to be an example. When people come to my home, I want the peace of God to greet them. I want the peace of God. My home is my peace place. I may not have peace over here. I may not have peace over here. But when I get home, I got peace. And it's not something you can demand. It's something you have to model. Amen. Okay, I'll say that. That's, that's why you never let one, one part of the house feel like they are the one that has to be catered to. Right. Nobody has that right. Nobody has to cater to you. Amen. If we do something for you, we do it because we want to, not because we have to. Amen. And so when you limit those expectations... Then you have peace in your home. Right? 
Have you, have you heard, and I, I think it's ungodly, and you do whatever you want to do with it. If you believe me, you can. If you agree, you can agree. But this, this statement, well, if mama isn't happy, nobody's happy. Well, what's that say about mama? That when she gets upset, she lets everybody know. Did you know that's ungodly? How is that putting the other person first? Mm. Listen, you're not paying me, so it's all free. Right? But think about that. And you got grown men walking around on tiptoes because they don't want to make mama mad. Right? And now then, right on the other hand, you got Mr. Macho that just everything needs to go his way. You're going to watch what he wants to watch on TV, have what he wants for dinner. Don't serve him anything he don't like because he's not going to eat it. So he's a big baby. He's a big baby. He might as well be sitting over with a bonnet sucking his thumb. I don't like that. Well, grow up. Sucker. Either that or we can break your plate. You can lose a few pounds. Now, that's how, you, how I think. I may not say that. But, but think about this, guys. Am I helping you all with this? What gives you the right to act that way? Bless God, I work hard all day. And she doesn't? When did you ask her what she wanted for dinner? When did you put on the apron and actually cook for dinner what she wants. Well, I'm not a cook. Well, then don't complain. When, when the one who is cooking puts something on the table, the Bible says nothing that's put before you is to be refused. You want Bible? I just gave you Bible. Well, all she ever wants is meat and potatoes. Well, he needs to grow up. I'm, I'm going to leave there. I saw some deadly glances from some of the men. I might get beat up. Where's Jeremy and Jamie? I need you all today. <laughs> you, you got me? All right. I thank you. Now, now, the reason I'm saying that, how is that an example? Then my daughter is going to grow up feeling like that's how she's supposed to be treated. My son is going to grow up thinking that's how he should react to things. Can I share one story with you? I got about eight minutes. Only got one more verse. Means nothing. (laughs) But when years ago, when Pastor Michelle and I were attending uh, Deeper Life Christian Ministries, so that would have been 28 28 plus years ago, uh, 29. And uh, uh, there was a family in the church, a single mother, and she had three boys. And... uh, uh, they, they had no direction. They had no godly leadership in their life as far as a man goes. And so I, I asked her, you know, can they come home with us some Sundays? You know, I just want to pour into their life and help them. And she said, that, that would be great. I would greatly appreciate that. So we took them to the, to the house. And at that time, we were, we were getting on our feet financially, and we didn't go out to eat because to go out to eat meant you had to spend money, and we didn't have the extra money to spend. And so we would go home and eat, and Pastor Michelle would cook, and I would clean the dishes at that time. And so we were there, and, and, uh, and uh, Gene was helping me clean off the table, and we're uh, uh, cleaning the dishes. 
And I remember one of those young men came up and he looked at me and he goes, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm washing dishes. He said, men don't wash dishes. And I looked at him real kind, but I looked at him and I said, son, who told you that? And he mentioned some guy. Now, it's, now it's evident his, his dad created him right. and then wouldn't stick around to raise him. But here's the point is he told me, and I said, well, I'm not, I don't know your relationship with them, but I said, I'm telling you that the Bible says that a real man loves his family and his wife the way Christ loves the church. And I said, and she wasn't Pastor Michelle at the time, I said, and Michelle cooked dinner and made our dinner for us. I said, it was good, wasn't it? He said, yeah. I said, then my job is to love her and I can clean up the kitchen. Amen. And I said, son, real men love their wife the way Christ loves the church. And they give themselves for him. Yeah, I made an impact on that young man. By what? Being influenced. Just being influenced. Well, Pastor, I don't, I don't bring people to my house. But you live it out every day in front of your family. Your spouse should think that you are the most godly person in the world. Because that's who your influence is on the most is that spouse, that man, that woman that I'm married to. Now, you, you do get, it's men marry women and women marry men. Right? But, but, but my point is, is then the children are looking at you and they're looking at your marriage and they're looking at the way you treat each other and it's an example. And now I'm an influence. Oh, hallelujah. Let me hurry. So you found 1 Timothy 4.12. Let no man despise your youth. Be an example of the believers. Notice word, conversation, charity, spirit, faith, purity. Is there any area it didn't cover? Be an example in word, in conversation. That's your lifestyle. In charity, in your love, in spirit, the way you walk in the things of the spirit, in your faith, and in your purity. Be an example. Amen. That word example is a, is a stamp or a die. It, it means a, a sampler. So in other words, as, as the leader, as the pastor of this church, I'm a sample of what you should do. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, Colossians chapter 4. We, we have an opportunity to influence people every day of our life. Colossians chapter 4, verse 5. Notice, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. What will be the result? Redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer every man. One translation says, be wise in all your contacts with the world. Another says, make the most of every opportunity you have. Hallelujah. That's referring to every opportunity we have to speak to those that are without Christ. And notice what he said. Be wise in all your contacts. The Amplified Bible says, let your speech at all times be gracious, pleasant. Oh, let your speech at all times, all times. Be gracious. That means it ministers grace to the hearer. Pleasant and winsome. 
seasoned, as it were, with salt. Now, why would it be that way? Because we are salt. So that you may never be at a loss to know how you ought to answer anybody that puts a question to you. Amen. So be wise. Everybody say be wise. wise. Now, let let me explain this to you. That, That means don't be that person that's found reading your Bible in the airport, but you're mean. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading your Bible in public, but I'll share this with you real quick. There's a coffee shop that I like to stop at on the way from Little Rock to here in Rogers, Arkansas. And so I stop in Rogers every time. I mean, no need for you to check your watch. If I've stopped in Rogers, it's 11 o'clock. Just the way it is. It's three hours from Little Rock. I usually leave by 7 or 8. If I leave at 8, 11 o'clock, 10 o'clock, whatever. It's inevitable. I will go in that coffee shop, and, and there's a row of tables right along the window when you walk through the door, and inevitably there will be three or four people in there, and they got all their study materials out and their Bible, and they're studying. Well, again, I'm not saying that's wrong, but here's, here's the issue. So, you know, I'm a preacher. They don't know that. You know, I don't, I don't drive in my tie. But I, I walk in, and, and I have the same routine. I'm a very routine person. I'm very boring, all right? I do the same thing every day. But here's, here's the point. I, I have the routine, and, and so uh, I'm standing there, and, I, and I'll get my stuff. And, and uh, you know, I saw them reading their Bibles a lot, and I thought, well, hey, you know, they're believers. I'm going to talk to them. And so uh, I was, had my stuff, and I'm, I'm walking over, sitting down at the table, and uh, I looked at this lady, and I said, uh, well, that's the best book you could be reading right there, isn't it? And she just looked at me and went, yeah, like, get away from me. And just went back to reading. And I tried to say something else, and she glanced up and never just looked at me real ugly. And here's what I thought. They don't know I'm a believer. What if I wasn't? And I'm looking for answers. They got a Bible out. What would have happened? See, that wasn't very wise. Here's the thing. If you're going to take your Bible out in public... Be nice. And if you're not going to be nice, help us in reverse. Just don't tell anybody you're a Christian. If you're not going to try to win people to Jesus, just don't make it harder on those of us that want to win people to Jesus. Like the man said one time, if you're not going to put anything in the container, at least don't make take anything out. Amen. Do, do you see that? Always, one translation says, put your message attractively, yet pointedly. Another says, study how to best talk with each person you meet. People, I'm going to wrap up with this. People should feel better after an interaction with us. Or at least feel like they heard the truth in love. Amen. Amen. I remember one time Pastor Michelle and I went into a, a restaurant down the road from the church in Little Rock, and uh, we, we went in, and, and the lady, the girl came, the young lady came, and, and she, she took our drink order, and we gave her our drink order, and, and uh, then she came back and ordered our food, and we ordered our food, and we were done eating. She came back, 
and uh, as she was talking to us for a moment, and I looked at her and I said, well, I said, let, let me tell you something. She said, okay. I said, you know, there's two kind of servers in the world. She said, really? I said, yeah. I said, uh, those that are born again and those that are about to be. Which one are you? And she fell on her knees and started crying and said, I knew when I got up today I was going to get saved. And she said, my God, pray for me. Amen. And, I, and we led her to the Lord. She's kneeling on, on the floor. Here, here's, here's my point. I didn't go in there and have a track. I didn't go in there and, and have a Bible. I went in there and had a leading. I've had people say, I couldn't do that. If you care, you can. If it matters, not just their soul, but the fact that I'm going in this restaurant and I may or may not be the only light in here. And I have a responsibility to influence them, either with my words or my actions, with the tip that I leave, with my attitude towards them. Amen. Does that make sense? We are influence. 1 John 4, 17 says, For as he is in this world, so are we. So I'm the image of Jesus to the people that I encounter every day. And, and I'm, I'm salt and light. I'm going to influence people with the things. This is something that's been so big in my heart, my whole Christian life, but even I think more so now that, you know, the issue is this isn't difficult. It's just being willing to do it. You know, there, there, there are people that think, you know, in order to be influenced, you got to go somewhere and spend all day just doing one certain thing. You influence people every day of your life. It's not how many people you led to Jesus today. It's did you care enough to be influenced to somebody today? Everybody that I influence, I'm not going to be able to lead them to the Lord. The Apostle Paul said, some plant, some water, and God gives the increase. The fact that the church door is open today is we're light. We're influence in our community. Just, Just go be influence. Don't put the pressure on yourself to win 50 people to Jesus tomorrow or you're not going to go home till you win somebody to Jesus, can you be an influence? Can you open the door to the the gospel should the opportunity present itself? I'll close with this. I believe Jesus was a nice man. Now, I don't think there's anybody that would disagree with me. He wasn't easy on sin. He told the truth. But there's something about him that caused multitudes to want to be around him. And you know what it was? It's found in the three times that Jesus went out and it said he saw the multitude and it's followed by this statement, and he had compassion on them. You got to have enough compassion to influence people with what God has done in your life. And if you get to win them to the Lord, great. If you don't, you sowed the seed. God will send somebody to close the deal or he'll give you the opportunity to close it. Your job is just go be like, here's the the last thing I'll say. 
How hard is it to put some salt on your food or to flip on a light switch? Not hard at all. And when you salt your food or flip on the switch, you influence the environment. Just you being in the environment is influence, and people are going to change because they see it in you. Amen. Amen. Let's stand up today, shall we? Oh, hallelujah.